night, church. I'm Pastor Marshall. I'm glad you're here. Um, returning guests and uh, those of you that I see on a regular, I'm glad you're here. We're in four, week four of our vision series called what? Disruptive Faith. Disruptive Faith. Week four. Week four. Now, I can't catch everybody up on the series. I'm not going to try to do that, but I will give you a little, a little something, something. So we, we said, well, let me correct that. A.W. Tozer said, disruptive faith is defined by expecting God to interrupt our lives. Disruptive faith is defined by expecting God to interrupt our lives. Have God ever, ever interrupted your life? You planned something and God said, no, 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 that's not how we're going to do it. That's not how it's going to be done. Yeah, we've, we've been interrupted. Um, so that means that God reserves the right to interrupt your life when it comes to faith, we said the first week. When it comes to church, he has the right to interrupt our lives. He's the CEO of heaven, right? He has the right to interrupt our lives when it comes to church. And also he has the right to interrupt our lives when it comes to relationships in order for our relationships to work. And so um, you can find those things on a church app. You can find them also on Facebook and online. You can listen to the series on there. Um, disruptions are how God interrupts our lives for the better. And, and, and there are no paths to perfection without disruptions, interruptions. No path to perfection without it. Let me prove that to you. Uh, sin was interrupted for, with salvation. Sin was interrupt, interrupted with salvation, and that's how the world is going to come to know God as Lord and Savior. So there's no path to perfection without interruptions. Meet me in Colossians 3.12. And we're going to see what the word of God has in mind for that, for disruptions. The text almost preaches itself. It'll be on the screen if you don't have a Bible with you or if you don't have an app on your phone. Colossians chapter 12, 312 reads this. You have it on the screen. It says, God chose you to be the holy people he loves. Mm -hmm. Mm. I can tell some of y'all missed your shouting moment. You missed your moment. Say, God loves you. God chose you to be the people he loves. Yeah, yeah. The fact that you are chosen is something to shout about. The fact that you are chosen. What's happening here in the text, in the the book of Colossians, we see uh, the author writing to a group of people. They're a small group of people. Reignite family. Maybe Maybe this is for us this morning. Can, can, I, can I give it to the Colossians? Can I give it to you like Paul gave it to the Colossians? He said, he said to this little remnant of people, this little community of believers, he said in verse 12 again, God chose you to be the holy people he loves. And he said there's some things you have to do because you're chosen. He says that you have to clothe yourselves. You have to put on like my jacket here. You have to put on, uh, uh, clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So you're special to God. Because he chose you just for the simple fact, you know, hair or no hair, curly hair, um, uh, beard or no beard. God chose you. Glasses, no glasses. You are special to God. Check. Check that box. I'm special to God, Pastor. Yes. Verse 13 says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you. So you must forgive others. God says I'm special. And he says I must forgive. Check. Check. Y'all follow me? 
Okay, verse 14 says, above all, above all those five things we said, mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, above all those things that you have to put on, above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Check, check, check. There's some things we have to do, and there's some things that God expects us to put on. And in verse 15, it says, and let peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. Man. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Someone say, be thankful. Be thankful. thankful. Yeah. So the church in Colossae was a remnant church, a little small community that Paul encouraged to repurpose themselves. So if you were to go back and see the whole chapter we just started off in verse 12. If you were to read the whole chapter, there's some things that Paul is instructing the Colossians to repurpose themselves to let go of. He said, let go of these past things, let go of these old things. And then midway through the chapter in verse 12, he says, but put on these new things. Put on these new things. So they had to repurpose themselves as a community to be unified. They had to purpose them, repurpose themselves to let go and to embrace the new life in Christ. So I like to use this subject, use as a subject this morning, disruptive peace. That's, I mean, that's, that's just my, that's just my, um, that's just what I'm going to talk about. That's not the subject. The subject I'm going to talk about is it's an inside job. Help me preach my title. Tell your neighbor, someone close to you, it's an inside job. We're going to talk about disruptive peace, but peace is an inside job. Yeah. Disruptive peace. I know when I wrote this down, I know some of you are like me. I'm a wordsmith. I like words. And and when I wrote this down, something hit me this week as I wrote it down. I said, they're going to think that I've lost my mind. I put two words together that don't even go together. They kind of oppose each other. Disruptive and peace, right? They don't go. It's kind of oxymoronic. But but help me. Stay with me through the message. You're going to get where I'm going. Say, Pastor, I trust you. All right, all right. You're going to get where I'm going. By Tozer's definition, if faith is is expecting God to interrupt our lives, then disruptive peace means that people of faith must, uh, should interrupt, uh, expect to interrupt the status quo of their lives. I'll say that again. People of faith should interrupt, should, should expect to interrupt the status quo of their lives if disruptive peace is expecting God to interrupt your life. Follow me, follow me. Maybe it's me. Y'all act like y'all, y'all are not there this morning. Maybe it's me. I'm not preaching to the people in the front. I'm preaching to the people in the back. Um, maybe it's just me. But sometimes, do you have a bipolar anointing? Oh, y'all are bougie over here. Do y'all sometimes have a Bible that doesn't relate to what's going on on the outside, right? Oh, my gosh. Okay, I'm in good company now, y'all. The, bu- the bougie people have caught up with, with us over here. Um, but sometimes, sometimes we have to understand that we fool people by what's on the outside because they don't know. We don't reveal what's really going on on the inside. It's bipolar. Sometimes it can, it can seem like opposites, right? (laughs) Okay. Okay. Let me help you with that. Um, we have recently finished a series, uh, uh, a TV series. Uh, Tiffany and I watch a little TV when we're not studying. We're not always studying and praying for y'all. We watch a little television. And so we just, re- we said, we just recently finished a television series <laughs> where we watched these, these singers get together 
and um, they put on these costumes. Have y'all ever heard of the Masked Singer? Okay, we just recently finished watching, watching The Masked Singer. For the two of you who never watched it, because y'all don't have television in your house, um, that's when celebrities get together. Um, actually, it's based out of Korea, but that's when celebrities agree to come on the show and, 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 and display their singing talent. So they put on these costumes to, uh, to conceal their identity. And then they have to sing before the audience and, the, and this pan, another celebrity panel. And by their singing talent, you have to decide who that is under the mask. Right? Oh, man, some, some, sometimes you don't have a lot of stuff to watch on TV. You know, TV isn't that clean these days, but you got to find something. In our home, we've, we've gathered around this show. Lexi loves this show. I mean, she, if we missed it, she got on us. And so we, we, we gathered around the show, and we watched this. And each week, the celebrity will reveal themselves, or they will be revealed by the votes. Whoever got the least amount of votes, those people had to take off their mask and show what was on the inside, because it's on the inside that counts. The, things, what, the thing that matters, Maria, is what's on the inside, not so much what's on the outside. Sometimes you can clothe yourself with a lot of things. You can clothe, your, clothe yourself with a smile, but that don't mean you're smiling on the inside, right? right? It's, it's what's on the inside that matters. It's, it's what's on the inside that even unites us. Amen. Oh, man. Oh, man. So we can fool people by what's on the outside. But really ma- what really matters is what's on the inside. The proposition that Paul is making in the text here today is that there are many parts of you. There are many parts of you. And what really matters is what you have going on on the inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So peace, if you're taking notes, that's, that's something you need to write down. Peace is an inside job. Peace, it's an inside job. Because it identifies whose you are, not just who you are. Oh, <laughs> preach it, pastor. I think I'm trying to do the best I can. Um, Through the salvific act of Jesus, through the salvific act of Jesus on the cross, God made peace with humanity. Um, Alfred Poirier said, he said this, he noted that in his book, The Peacemaking Pastor, that we are all called to be peacemakers. And because God ordained conflict, you know, when he, when he walked through the garden, he was strolling through, and he, God ordained conflict. So you, you're, uh, peace isn't the absence of conflict. God ordained conflict when, when he strolled through the garden, and he asked Adam, where are you? Even though he knew where he was, but he wanted to see if you were going to be truthful. Um, so he was strolling through the garden, and, um, and, and, and he talked to the, to, the, to the woman who ate from the, what? From the tree of life, right? And then he talked to the, to the man, Adam, he talked to the serpent, and he said because of their disobedience of eating, when he said not to eat, he said he caused enmity, he caused conflict in the world. He ordained it, and then he had a solution that Jesus would come and be the restorer of everything. Anyway, that's for free. That wasn't in my notes. Um, um, we are all called to be peacemakers, but instead of peacemaking, many of us, church, are peace faking. Who's he talking to? (laughs) 
because we have a misunderstanding of what real peace is and what peace looks like. We're looking for peace in all the wrong places. Looking for peace in all the wrong places. Searching to find few friendly faces. Here we are. We're, we, we have a misunderstanding of the real peace that Christ, that Christ brings. Did you catch that? Where does peace come from? It comes from Christ. Peace comes from God. Christ brings peace. So an environment won't bring you peace. Dr. Brad Ransom is over there at the, at the um, Hilton, I think it is. Uh, maybe not the Hilton, the Hampton Inn. I want to say the Hilton Inn because you seem like you got that bougie anointing on you. Um, the, the, we'll just say the Hilton. He's at the Hilton. He's at the Hampton, but he's, he's over at the beachfront at the hotel, right? In, in this serene environment. But that environment won't bring him peace. Not if there's conflict going on at home. More, more, more meditation won't bring you peace. Not if there's conflict going on around you. Oh, man. We have a misunderstanding of what real peace looks like. I want to help you with that. Jesus says when he's talking to his disciples, he was on his way back to heaven, and he stopped by to tell his disciples a few things before he left them. He said this in John 14, 27. He says, I'm leaving you guys. Marshall, I'm leaving Jay, I'm leaving. He said, I'm leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. Man. I, I, I thought about that. Of all the things Jesus could leave, he could, he could have left them a, home, a, a, a synagogue, a temple to worship in. He could have left them mass amounts of money. He said, but I'm going to leave you with this one thing. Peace. And he's going to send the Holy Spirit. He's going to send the comforter back to make sure you got it, to ensure you got it. Oh, oh. So in the absence of the Savior, when those fierce foes come and we face them today, those fierce foes of, of trouble and fear, when they, when they come, those fierce foes, we can still have peace because we have the complement of God's love. That's what peace is. It's the complement. Everybody say complement to God's love. That's what peace is. Peace isn't the, as, the absence of problems. You can have peace in the midst of your problems. Man, have you ever been in a situation where stuff was going on? People were getting laid off. People were getting transferred, sent overseas. Uh, uh, husband, wife come home and they're all upset and you've been working all day yourself. And yet you're not losing your mind. You're, 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 you're straight. You're good to go because you can have it inside even though something is going on on the outside. I'm, I'm going to help you further. I'm going I'm to help you with this. I don't know who I'm talking to, I'm, but I know it's in the back row, people in the back row. You, you, you can have bills and still have peace in the back row. Mm -hmm. you, you can have legitimate concerns and still have peace, Beth. Yeah. Ed, you, you can feel like clapping back at someone and still have a peaceful restraint. Jesus is telling his folks there in, 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 in John 14 that you, you can even lose those you love, Martine, and still not lose your mind. Oh, oh, that's how much, that's how special you are to God. That's how special that you can still have peace in the midst of your circumstances. Why, pastor? Because it's an inside job. 
<laughs> oh my gosh, I'm glad about it. The peace that Christ brings reconciles us back to God, church family. So without peace, we're likely to make bad decisions. Bad decisions. Um, you weren't a bad spouse, but you made a bad decision. Yeah, who's that for? You weren't really hateful. You just lost your peace. So without peace, we're likely to make the wrong decision in a time of need. Of all the things Jesus could have left, he made sure you had the one thing that, that would settle you down, that would settle you, that would give you serenity on the inside. Maybe you're here today and you're saying to yourself that, Pastor, I've lost I've lost my peace. And uh, Pastor, I, I sometimes don't feel it. Um, I would tell you, if we're doing some pastoral counseling, you've lost your peace. Sometimes you don't feel it. Sometimes you don't see it. I would tell you that's not your problem. Your problem isn't that you lost your peace. I'm, I'm going to help you. I'm going to help somebody. Again, the problem is that we misunderstand where peace works. We misunderstand where peace works. Colossians 3.15 says, the whole reason why we chose this chapter is for Colossians 3.15. Colossians 3.15 says, let peace rule in us. Let peace rule in our hearts. Y'all see it? Y'all see it? Is that on the screen? And let the peace that comes from God, from Christ, rule where? Okay, so that's directive. We have to let peace. I'm going to help you with your understanding. Peace is on the inside, but you have to let peace rule. When we let something, it, it's the verb sense that Merriam-Webster says in the verb sense that the definition is that we give it opportunity when we let something. When we let something, we give it opportunity. So if we don't let peace rule in our lives, we're disturbing the peace in our lives. Oh, I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you. I feel teach on me, so I'm going to help you with that. If we don't let peace, we are disturbing the peace. Um, uh, peace has a job to do, church. It has a job to do. Colossians says we have to let it rule. What, what, is, what, is, what is rule? It's the idea of umpiring. It's the idea of umpiring. So this is, this is the, the thing that, that comes to peace. We have to understand that peace has a job to do, and we have to make sure that peace does its job. Say, peace, peace. do your job. I'm going to give you an example. It's, it's the idea of umpiring, Shannon. So it, when you watch sports, you, you've seen umpires in basketball, football, hockey. You see the umpire. What do they all have? They have a whistle. What is the whistle for? To make calls, right? So if, if peace is going to rule in us on the inside, it has to make calls. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Let me help you with that. Um, peace. The umpire blows the whistle when he, when he sees something foul going on to keep the play moving. He has to correct it. So the umpire makes the call. He, makes the, and he corrects the call, corrects the play to keep things going because he has power and authority to make the call. Right? <laughs> oh, my gosh. For the Christian, peace is the same, works the same way. It has a job to do. Peace is an umpire. 
It has to make the call in our lives. When we give it power and authority to disrupt our lives, it corrects us and keeps us moving. That's what peace does. Peace has a job to do. So when I'm afraid, peace is like a whistle. That's not how you're supposed to be. You're not supposed to be afraid, Maria. Ed, you're not supposed to be afraid. So when you're afraid, peace is... When you're, when, you're, when you're not sure, peace keeps you on track. When you're not sure, peace says you got to be sure you're on a firm foundation. The thing that matters is your Christ. If you're in the hospital, it don't matter if you're Christ. You're not supposed to be afraid. You're not supposed to. Peace, peace should disrupt any thought, feeling, or action that's not Christ-like. That's what peace does in your life. If, if it's not Christ-like, if it's not a Christ-like thought, if it's not a Christ-like action, Peace will disturb anything that's not like Christ going on in your heart and in your mind. Peace will interrupt it. It makes the call because it's been given the authority. It's been given flat on track. Peace is like, what are you doing? That's not what we're about. That's not who we are. That's not what we do. You're chosen. You're special. God bankrupt heaven to make sure you have an opportunity to come see him face to face. Oh my gosh. Remember, peace has an inner work. It's not an outer work. It's not the environment. It's not, it's not getting everything in your life fixed and right and everything. That, oh, now I have peace. That's fleeting. Peace is an inner work. And it's an inside job. It's an inside job. If none of your problems go away, Mm. Pastor, what is my problem? Don't go away. Let me, tell, let me tell you. You can still overcome them. Because of peace. If your problems don't go away, you still have Jesus. And you can, you can, bank, you can bank on it. Because Jesus says, he overcome the world. The world. That's inclusive of everything. I said that's inclusive of everything. John 16, 33 says this. Jesus is saying. Everybody say Jesus. Jesus. Talk to me, Jesus. Talk to me, Jesus. Jesus says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. When you give your life to Christ, that's not, the, that's not to say that your problems, your trials are going to go away. God ain't concerned about all that. He's not concerned. You're concerned about the house and the car and, and, and the note. He's not. You're concerned about the friends. He's not. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrow, but take heart because I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. This is critical. This is critical. Jesus doesn't promise peace. And this, what you, this is where I have to be patient as a pastor when I see you not getting it. Jesus, Jesus doesn't promise peace. He offers it. When, when, I, when I offer you something, it's your, it's your opportunity to take it or not. So, so, he's, so he's offering what you need but you have to take it. Oh, man. Oh, man. 
So, so when Jesus wanted to comfort and strengthen his disciples, because he's not care, he, doesn't care about, he doesn't care about the world, he said that God is the only one who, who's, who died and was attracted to the world because he knows how to, he knows how to uh, take the world and not let the world have, him, have, have it. He can have the world, but the world can't have him. We get attracted to the world, and the world gets us. I'm working for more cars, more money, more uh, uh, the world, the world, the world, the world. Jesus, when Jesus strengthened and comforted his, his disciples, this is what he said. He spoke of his victory. I've, I've overcome the world. He spoke of his victory because he knew that in him, you can have your victory. Oh, oh. So there's three things you need working in your favor when you need to make sure that victory is yours. There's three things you need. And, and, and they're pretty deep. There's three things you need. Y'all ready for them? Say three things. I need Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. If you're going to overcome the world, if you're going to overcome the world, you need the Father. You need obedience to the Father. You need the comfort of the Spirit. Uh, and, and, and you need the, the, to believe on the Son. There's three things you need in your favor to overcome the world. Can I convince you that to be thankful for His peace we have to gather as a community, as a community of believers. He's not talking to the church in Colossians. He's not, he's not talking to them. He's talking to Reignite Church today. Are we, are we united that whosoever will may come? People that don't look like us, people who don't think like us. Are we united? Peace is an inside job because peace is the thing that unites us. So, so therefore, when I'm on social media, Peace is telling me, shh, don't say that. Shh. That's not our agenda. Shh. It's not about your preference. It's about the process. about this I thought about this sometimes we're not always in church but today we are when, when I need to be reminded of peace and, and community I want you to do this I want you to look to the person next to you to the right look to someone to the right look to someone to the left mm -hmm. you see them what do you see um, you should see peace that's where you find peace. You find peace in people. So sometimes when you don't see God, you should see it in me. I should see it in you. You know why? Because in the personality, in the person of the person closest to you, they should have peace residing in them. Because that person represents, represents the persona of God. We are all made in the image of God. So when I see you, I should be reminded when I see your peace, I should be reminded of my peace. Yeah. Because peacekeepers are made in his image. So what if, and we're out of here, what if what controlled you on the inside gave you peace to identify you on the outside? Would your life look different? Would the things you say and write, would the people you hang out with be different? 
think so. If we let peace make the calls. Would you stand with me? Dear Lord, maybe there's somebody here today, not sure who that that situation, um, who has that situation that you've placed on my heart to, to write this message this week. I'm not sure of their circumstances, Lord, but you are. No doubt there's many of us searching for, for peace, even in a con congregation this size. But Lord, we thank you that you are the Prince of Peace. And we thank you that even in all our searching, we can be reminded that it's right here inside of us for those who believe on Jesus Christ. Now, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I want you to hear my words. If you don't have peace today, would you raise your hand? I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to see. If you don't have peace, would you raise your hand? Those that don't have peace, amen, amen. I just, I just want a confirmation. If you don't have peace, yes, we got one person honest this morning. Anybody else? Don't have any peace. Sometimes you lose your peace. Have you ever lost your peace? Yeah, yeah, we all have. I have. Yeah. God wants you to settle today. For those of you who don't know Christ as Lord and Savior, repeat this prayer. Only those who don't know Christ. Lord, help me. I've done it, I've done it on my own. Forgive me of my sins, Lord. Help me to trust Christ as my Lord and Savior. I make this decision today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. With your head still bowed, eyes still closed, if you made that decision, would you look up? If you made that decision for the first time, would you look up? Amen. I want to see who I'm praying for. Amen. Let's close in prayer. Father, bless us, keep us, continue to give us understanding as we meditate on your word when we leave this place.